Howdy, folks. Saxy Maxi here. Homies, it's time to talk about the Backdoor Cover Book Club. Y'all want to see the other nuts bets and even parlays that our Backdoor Boys bet? Have you ever wondered how these homies make up for their bad beats? Well, that's what the book club is for. By joining our Patreon for just $25 a month, you can see all the other wackadoodle bets we make on a daily basis. It's a private Discord server full of everything from Arches, CSGO, and Darts winners that'll make you sing 180 to Steve's flaming Hot Golf Picks and the Big Brain Phil Racing Picks too. Head on over to thedgens.net or everyonehateswentz.com and you too can put on your reading glasses and join us in the book club. Howdy, homies, and welcome to a very special edition of the Backdoor Cover Podcast. Arch and the gang have been having some live chats here in the book club, and we feel like they're the kinds of things that should truly be shared with y'all. Uh, we actually have been enjoying these chats so much that we're going to make it a weekly tradition every Monday, live in the book club. Uh, I'll be doing a little creative editing. I'll make this bigger. Can you guys see it? <laughs> but trying to get y'all the meat and bones of our discussion this week on bankroll management. Quick shout out to Goody, Jay Gillick, D. Willie, The James, and Marky Mark for joining us this last week. Arch, take it away. I don't know if you guys saw this. Udat Chicken said, isn't the ROI basically the, the exact same for betting uh, risk to win or flat bets? And he's right. It, on paper, it, it should be exactly the same. Like So I just uh, like a half-ass 50-game simulation. And you can see if you risk to win on a minus 130 uh, favorite you know, 50 times and you hit about 58, 58%, you win 170 and uh, plus 130 on the flat, you see. And the risk, the return on investment is pretty much the same, 262, 261. It doesn't always work like that in real, real life. Here's a real-life example of risk to win in practice. I'll make it bigger so you can see it. This is darts. This is darts for about six weeks here. Our primary bets, flat betting them all, $100 flat bet, every single one wins $2,600. Risk to win wins twenty nine hundred dollars. Our risk to our ROI on primary ended up being eighteen point four percent, where the risk to win was seventeen point two seven. So, on paper, it always makes sense. On paper, it doesn't matter which one you do. It should it, it should always be the same. But in reality, that shit ain't the truth. <laughs> uh, what? So, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, what well, what causes that? I think Steve hit the nail on the head. If you take a favorite and it doesn't return, the hit is so much bigger. If you take a favorite and you do risk to win, like you lay 150 and it doesn't hit, it hurts a lot more than just losing the $100 flat bet. I see. That but then as you, the tertiary bets in our darts model, it isn't scared of favorites. So if you flat bet the tertiary darts, you'd win 1200 bucks. If you risk to win, you'd be up over $5,000. But you're going to be laying a lot. Of, you know, you're laying minus 600, minus 500, because tertiary bets don't care about that. It just thinks this guy's going to win. We believe we have just enough value to make it happen. So I guess the real question becomes, how much extra risk are you taking on with the risk to win versus the flat betting? <sighs> The way I calculate the models, I don't know if you guys do your own calculations or not. In in theory, it's it's it, it should be the same um, the same risk. In theory, we still think there's value in taking um taking a big favorite. It, it, tertiary won't trigger unless we believe that we have 
the percentage is on our side. If that makes sense. It won't Can trigger. You, yeah. Would you mind just running through the primary, secondary, tertiary? Um, apologize if this has already been. No, over no, it's no problem. Don't, don't worry. Primary bets are everything we want. We believe we have value out the ass. We believe that the projections, the, the projections we have, the, the winning percentage absolutely dominates. And we're going to make a ton of money on the bet. It's everything we want. Secondary bets, it's the same, but it's just not quite as good. We do believe, we, we still believe we have the projection correct. Or we still have, we have the advantage in the projection. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tertiary bets, it's ugly. It can be <laughs> any amount of value, any amount of value, a 0.1% you know, chance that we have the sports book over the edge. Or uh, the edge on the sports book. Yeah. So that's that. And, you know, so bottom line is, I think for most people, flat betting is the way to go because you can control your risk a lot, your exposure a lot better. Because I, I really, I, I don't think you should ever go over 5% of your bankroll for any individual bet. And I really don't think you should go over like 20, you know, even 25 is kind of high, but 20% of your total bankroll on any given day, a lot harder to control on risk to win or uh, yeah, risk to win. It's a lot harder to control that. I don't know. Do you guys, are you guys primarily flat betters? I'm a, I'm a flat better pretty exclusively. Yeah. Um, just like you mentioned, controlling the risk and, I guess not not necessarily controlling the risk of an individual play. It's it's more just controlling the overall bankroll risk. Yes. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Saxy, what about you? You've been betting for a long time. Do you when when or do you increase your bet size? I oh absolutely. I do I've been increasing my bet size uh constantly, but I kind of assess it almost on a I mean it's kind of like a feel basis. I mean, definitely, obviously, as your bankroll grows and you ca- you can see, okay, clearly I should be moving up, you know, in my bet size. That's that's kind of, you know, when I start thinking it. But also, I kind of also more gauge what my unit is based on my sport and that I'm betting at the time and how confident I am in that sport at the time. You yeah. know, um, like a lot of times, for instance, NBA totals, like uh, my unit for NBA totals was uh, – not dramatically, but definitely a bit less than what my, for instance, foot NFL football units were, <laughs> you know, like, like what, what I was, I mean, it was, it's, it's not full, like, you know, dollars to peanuts, but it's, it, it was definitely, uh, I, I approached those sports a different way and it's just based on my confidence. And as I, you know, grew in confidence with different things, I, you know, kind of change how, uh, how much I am kind of opening up, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 it's, it's definitely something that I'm assessing on a daily basis, but it's something that I probably don't actually make true moves on. Um, probably not much more than maybe monthly quarterly somewhere in there. That's probably about how often, um, you know, cause I, generally speaking, it feels like 
at least the way that uh, uh, it's it's gone gambling is you kind of do back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then you may have like a good strength, like a week of strength, you know, a, a really, a really big win week. Like when Steve had uh, Taylor Moore on the, uh, you know, to win, to win that tournament outright, you know, those kinds of things. <laughs> you, you have those weeks that just like, boom, they like add a lot to your bankroll, but they kind of are making up for what has, uh, what has occurred over the last bit of time too, as well. So, you know, it's kind of, for me, it's a bit more about assessing that. Um, based based on feel of confidence, to be completely honest, and again, uh, you know, uh, following the kind of one to two percent ish of what my you know start have using that as a starting base, and then kind of moving from there based on confidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I okay, one of the reasons I do primary, secondary, tertiary is because I kind of like confidence betting, I should say, but I don't love it because uh, I've run Kelly Criterion in the past, and it always always bites me in the ass. Here's an example of how that same dart system would have done with Kelly. And it was, it's, I ran a, a quick Kelly over it. And for those of you that don't know, Kelly criterion is, uh, we fluctuate our bets based on how confident we are. Something's going to happen. So, you know, this, we would have risked with a bankroll of a thousand dollars on this, uh, Josh Richards cat here, we would have bet, uh, $11 and 78 cents and we would have lost $11 and 78 cents. Uh, let's see here. It did not go well. I didn't think in my simulation here. Yeah, you're down. T- we're down two thousand six hundred dollars, and that is the story of my life with Kelly Criterion. I can never make it work. I can certainly show anybody who wants to to do it. I can show you how to do it, but it has never, ever, ever worked for me. I don't know if anyone else has experimented with that, but betting confidence levels like this kills me. Yeah, I I stay away just because with the higher confidence levels, you get up into some pretty heavy unit sizes. Yeah, seventy or forty two dollars there, fifty two dollars there on a minus one thirty five. Of course, lost. It just, of course, that was nice. One hundred fifty two <laughs> plus two hundred. Yeah, but yeah. Long story short, I played with that for a year and just got my dick kicked in all the time. So I stopped that. I bet more confidence levels with the primary secondary and the tertiary, which like I said, shows you has a value and we have a database of past results to back it up. But there is another method. I was just fucking around here. Make it big so you can see it. I don't even know what the name of this is. I just call it the square root system, which is like you start with a base bet of $50. This is to say, uh, just based on what we did in primary secondaries in baseball yesterday, we made 270.69. You take the square root of what you got out of that day and add it to your base bet. Square root of your profit, add it to your base bet. So now we're at 66.45 for today. That's what our flat bet would have been per primary secondary place. And if that goes up, we take the square root of our running profit and add that to the bankroll or to the base bet, excuse me, for the next day. But if we lose, we never drop below 50. We stay at 50 the whole time. Seems like interesting. Yeah, it seems interesting. So Mm -hmm. wait, why the square root of the winnings? It's just, it it, it gives you profit, but it it allows you to bank some too. Got it. So so it's it's like, it's it's enough of a division of whatever that number is that, you know, you're kind of, you're you're not too greedily or or adding on with too much confidence. Right, right. It's actually, yeah, it gives you a little bit more control than just 5% of total bankroll or 2%, whatever. 
So this is interesting because I've always kind of struggled when you start a new season and let's say you start out cold. And if you adjust your 1% sizing every day, your units are decreasing every day because your bankroll's decreasing. And then it, it takes you longer to catch back up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess without this would be interesting because you never actually drop the base. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you a dirty little secret that I do. I usually follow the book pretty well in my betting, except when I bump up my bets, I never, ever, ever, ever bump them back down. I don't ever bump them back down. I stay there because I feel like on a long enough timeline, I'm going to get it back. We're going to be okay. Just, yeah. Don't dig a hole. I mean, I don't know. It's just something I've done for, you know, a few years now. Just don't ever, don't ever reduce the bet size. Well, and and again, that's just, that does help you, you know, that hill that you then, if you have to climb back up a hill from losing, it makes it that much easier to get back up it, you know, when you're still, when you're still betting with a, with a good size unit, when you, when you, when you don't have, uh, if, if the unit size is too small, then as, as you were kind of alluding to, it's, it's too much uh, of a hill to push back up and, you know, right. if the unit is at 75% of what it was before, I mean, it will take so like really so much longer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess maybe that's kind of a, a good strategy of just setting what your base unit is for the season. And then I guess adjusting from there, but yeah. not low. I know Phil and Steve before the NASCAR season starts, they come up with a unit number that's works for them and that's it. They don't change that unit number for the whole NASCAR season. They're stuck there, right there. I think because NASCAR has so much variance, it's probably uh, better for them. Cause you know, you guys know how NASCAR goes for them. They'll hit a home run. And then the next day, the guy or the next week, the guy will have uh, you know, an accident in, in the lap two and the, you know, the whole card is ruined. Right. So they're just willing to accept that, you know, uh, set bet size for the whole season. There's a lot of different ways to skin this cat. Um, I like this uh, square root one though. It's actually originally a horse racing uh, money management strategy. You do it like race to race to race. You would, you know, you'd start with the, you know, the $2. It's so simple in horse racing. You start with the $2 bet and then you build on top of that, but you never go below $2. You can't go below $2. Yeah. So it's something to think about. Um, Do you guys treat your bankroll as one entity or do you have separate ones? Do you like, um, like Maxi alluded to it earlier, he bets a little bit more on the NFL than he would the NBA. Do you guys treat your bankroll as one, or do you kind of maybe do you maybe make a little bit heavier bets in the NFL or, or college or something? Mine is one entity. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to get darts up, like <laughs> my trust in darts to be like full unit bet sizes. It was more. It was more like oh, let's. Uh, $25. Let's call it, yeah. let's call it that. It's fucking darts. But no. Yeah. Up until like 10 days ago, it was working really well. And then, uh, you know, those fucking assholes caught me. Well, you said the books got sharper to what you were doing. Is it is it the way that you were getting to your final number? And it, from them having to switch, does that then open up more doors for you? One thing I do like to look at, and it's part of the primary bet, like, you know, value, historical results, whatever. Sportsbook fear. I love sports book fear. I look at the sports books. I compare a bunch of different lines and then I think I can figure out which side they're really kind of worried about, which, which side makes them nervous. Is that from look at the width? 
<laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, but I mean, I, okay. So not to get like too into the weeds here, every single game I handicap, I have a, I created a code for it. Each opponent in a match gets a code, a, a series of letters. And then I log that I've got, I've got, you know, years worth in NFL and, you know, almost a year, like what, six, seven months of uh, darts now, just codes. And we 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 reference a lot of codes, but part of that built into the code is the sports book fear, which side I think they're afraid on, uh, they're afraid of. And then after that 10 unit day in darts on that Friday, the next day, everything, the next, it was like Monday, everything changed. I went to go reference my sports books. And four books uh, that I reference all had the exact same odds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something, something spooked them. Something changed. I don't know. Is there a sharp book in darts? I think DraftKings is as sharp as we're going to. DraftKings or Bet365, although I don't think it's Bet365. I think it's DraftKings is the sharp side in the book. Hmm, that's surprising. It is surprising, but Pinnacle doesn't do darts. <laughs> Yeah, generally speaking, actually, now that you say it, Arch, I mean, it feels like the favorites on DraftKings are, um, compared to Bet365, are generally a little bit better. You think so? I think generally, if I remember correctly, when I'm like, you know, plugging these in every uh, uh, six nights a week <laughs> and uh, two <laughs> afternoons a week, if, if I'm not correct, I'm pretty sure that whenever I see something that's like a minus 135 or worse, pretty much I'm going to DraftKings 100% of the time. Bet365 is a sneaky book. Sometimes I really have a hard time interpreting what they're doing. Um, yeah, like especially esports, when I was comparing Bet365 and Pinnacle lines, I was like, what are they doing? It just, it just seemed out of left field, but they turn a profit, so good for them. <laughs> yeah, Bet365 is a tough nut to crack. Yeah, well, they definitely do have some uh, great lines there at Bet365, at least in my experience. Like, they, they do offer some, you know, uh, I think one of the secondary baseball picks today, at least in Colorado at the time, that I got to plugging them in was, you know, definitely better uh, oh. on on 365. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, – the square root is definitely something I – play with it or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's not hard to calculate square root. I don't know if you guys need – like a, a Google sheet of that, but I can, I'd be more than happy to bring it up. I can't emphasize that enough. If you have time, chart the odds, chart the odds you got, write them down, put them in an Excel sheet, whatever, keep a diary. I don't give a fuck. Write down what the odds you got, what your thought process was, why you did what you did, and then go back and look at it. See if there's any mistakes that way. Even something simple like that. It's like, oh, they had the better picture. It doesn't matter what, whatever thoughts are you I'm stupid enough to follow arch. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever the thought process is, you know, just kind of figure out where you're, if you're making mistakes, if, if you are right about something, if you're whatever, just, you know, kind of figure out why you're getting your decisions. What made you do that? And was it good or was it bad? How's the rest based model coming? Uh, now that the NBA is pretty much done. Uh, you know, there's, uh, <laughs> I need to have some real uh, <laughs> looks in the mirror about that model. I think is the long and short of that. You know, here, here's the thing. I was, I was. This is kind of, you know, one of the first times I really had seriously started to try and, you know, actually utilize stats to create a model myself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it led me to certain things. Like, even though the spreadsheet says to take the Kings under, I know not to. 
I know I shouldn't do that. I know I'm not, not going to touch the GD Kings on an under. I'm just not going to risk that. That is too much. Yeah. Like, there are certain things like that. that like, and, you know, whenever my model predicted a game was like, you know, 10 points off from whatever the Vegas total was or the best line available uh-huh. for me, whenever it said that, I was, you know, wrong nearly like 60. It was like nearly, it was almost 69, 90% of the time. It was right in that zone. Um, it, it, which made it very difficult because it was like, okay, so there's only, so it, it made me think that I need to be starting to weigh in some other different parameters into this guy. And, you know, um, like for instance, I hadn't pulled any, any, any recency. I didn't do anything to try and help, you know, um, with like overtime games and just basically like kind of try to weigh in some other stats of just like four quarters. Like, what do you get in the first four quarters the game no matter what happens in overtime you know what are we seeing in the first four quarters and weighing that into the you know actual numbers there you know there's there's some of those things like that that i wanted to uh, kind of develop through that but i never i never got the time to uh to get to that so i think in the off season here um depending on you know how much time i really want to put into the nba thoughts about the nba in the off season but i'll still i'll still do some of the uh, work on this actually throughout the playoffs just to see what comes out you know generally speaking when it's teams that are, are attempting to play and have something to play for, they they play closer to what the numbers are. It feels like my God, that is so hard to figure out in the NBA, though. Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Good luck. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, yeah. When do they give a fuck stat? Like, uh, for me personally, I just use Excel. I'm kind of an idiot. I don't know. I mean, R, Python. Those are both much better uh, models or uh, language languages to use than Excel. But uh, I'm kind of an idiot. I'm getting old in my, yeah, these days, and it's just learning new things is tough. So I'm I'm probably gonna die using Excel. <laughs> that was to answer Will's question about do we just use Excel? What about you? you guys? You guys are young. You guys are smart. Are you? Do you guys use Excel? I use Excel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I am too bashful to say what i use but it is a uh, a mac based version of excel let's just call gotcha. it that gotcha yeah excel for me i mean it's good enough to do what i do like i said you know historically it references database i mean but i would love to get into like r or python i'm just not oh, yeah. gonna happen like where where's the time gonna come from so arch does that mean that you are entering all of your data in the old-fashioned way, by hand. You're not like uh, downloading a CSV or something like that from um, sometimes you know, sports do. reference or. I did. I did well. I do well. One thing you should have. I, this makes my life easier. Let me pull up a. Let me pull up Excel here, and show you. Or uh, pull up a Chrome. This is a wonderful little thing to have in Chrome. It's an extension called Copy Tables. Oh. Oh. You, just, you hold just, down. Yeah, like. Uh, if I just need to need stats here in a table, I hold down alt, I click it. I don't know if you can see that very well. There you go. Now I have it. Copy paste. Just hold down alt, grab the table, control C, it's mine. Man, that's some good copy pasta right there. Yeah. And didn't realize we were watching porn tonight. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's my other monitor. <laughs> <laughs> but no copy tables is it's, that's what it's called in excel it helps out a lot although you have know, good luck finding tables anymore and websites but uh tracking uh referees i think that's something that should be looked at i thought i thought covers.com used to do ref stats on games oh really in nba games yeah they would show well they would show, you, you could like you could go to whatever game and it'd say who the referee is and then put it 
once that was announced and put up their stats for the season. I don't know if there's a way oh, we'll put up the NFL penalty tracker. Mm. It does have all the penalties they, they you know, uh, the, the, the flags they threw and, and all that. You know. I'm not saying the NFL is dirty, but there are sometimes it makes you wonder. All right. Well, on that note, let's call it a day here from the book club. Uh, you can follow us on the podcast on our new Instagram page at backdoor.bets. I'll be dropping some sneak peek picks from the book club there throughout the week. Uh, join the book club at thedgens.net. Follow us on Twitch at Backdoor Bets. And until next week, you stay classy, muchachos. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be liable for damages related to its contents. Thank mm-hmm. you.